Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing right here from the Racing Network. I'm Chris Wilner in Concord, North Carolina. Kyle Ricky, my cohort, is out there in the New England country. I think you're in Killingly today, right? You're back. I'm in Killingly today. Yeah, that's right. It's always where in the world is Kyle Ricky. It's Bristol week for us here on the Motor Racing Network. We're going to be traveling down there actually today when the show airs on Thursday. We'll be down there covering the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, the Arc Menard Series which is like a three race into one thing. We'll get into that in a little bit. I'm back from my vacation, from my honeymoon, so I've got this crispy tan I'm going to try to keep for as long as possible. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well. We missed you last week. I missed everyone, yes. Why? You're on a cruise in the middle of the Atlantic. Like Why would you miss us? Say. I mean, I definitely well, missed you, Kyle, for sure. Oh, I'm, no, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, all is well up here. Big weekend at Stafford Speedway last weekend. Uh, went to the New London Waterford Speed Bowl, had our Wild Thing Carts Championship on Sunday. So a, a lot happened. It was three big days of motorsports for, for old Kyle up here. Yeah, sounds like you were busy. And of course, you know, around the country, it's already championship time. Several yeah. racetracks have already concluded their weekly championship series. It's kind of hard to believe. I know we talk about it, it seems like every other week, but the fact that we're already in the mid-September range and we're talking about championships coming down to the wire whether it's the national series like the wheel and modifieds or obviously track championships like hickory coming up this weekend uh it's going to be exciting to kind of talk about and, and talk about some of these champions that we're going to be crowning here in the next couple of weeks but we're going to kick things off before we get to our special guest today Caden honeycutt who is an accomplished late model racer running the cars tour grew up running legends cars and of course now has uh, dabbled in the nascar camping world truck series he'll be tackling bristol with the truck series coming up Tonight on Thursday, we've got him on the line coming up in a little bit. But first, let's get to our Coast to Coast Top 7 winners of the week. Kyle, I'll kick things off with the Arc Menard Series and the young man we've had on this show before, Corey Heim, picking up his second win of the year out at Kansas Motor Speedway. It was a postponed race uh, from Saturday due to all that rain Mother Nature brought over to the Kansas City area. So they ran it on Sunday morning before the cup race. And boy, he was dominant. A redemption when he called it after uh, kind of getting crashed out by Drew, Drew Dollar there uh, back in April, I believe it was, or May, and uh, was able to pick up his second win. Really cool to see the progression of Corey Heim. I feel like anytime he's in a race car, whether it's the Camping World Truck Series with KBM or obviously the Arkham Nard Series with Venturini, he has a shot to win. And of course, he did it there again. So pretty interesting race, flat out. Arca cars are on uh, Kansas up by the wall. What'd you think? On cup morning, it was kind of yeah. cool to see, knowing it was a cup race coming up a couple of hours later, something we usually don't see. Yeah, Corey was the dominant car the entire day. I, I was a little nervous for him when a caution came out with four laps to go. It was a green-white checker finish, uh, and the rest of the field was was bunched up on his back bumper for the final three miles of the event, but he was able to fend him off and uh, claim the race win. 
Nick Sanchez, strong second place run. He retains the points lead over Daniel mm-hmm. Dye, just about 12 points. Three races to go. Should be certainly interesting to see how that plays out coming up next week. Kyle, who's your number two winner on our Coast Coast Top 7? I'm going to go with Tim DeVos. Uh, he was a winner at the limited late model level at the Berlin Raceway this past week, and it was a big one. Win number 103 for the driver that has been racing at the track since 1979. Ties him as the all-time win leader at the racetrack. Uh, it also earned him this year's track championship in the limited late model division at Berlin. So uh, congratulations to Tim on ending the year pretty much the way it started and the way it went throughout much of the summer months. Tim DeVos, number two winner of the week. Coast Coast Top 7, number three. I'm going to go with Johnny Clark winning the past series uh, late model event at Spud in Maine. Yeah, which is weird to me because I feel like Spud should be in Idaho for potatoes. Exactly. Uh, third, first time they've been there in three years, and Johnny Clark got a rebound win after that heartbreaking Oxford 250 loss a couple weeks ago. He said it didn't. It bothered him all week long until finally getting the checkered flag back on Saturday. Uh, p- tight points battle, though, in the past series come down to the wire. Ryan Kuhn, 15-point lead coming into the weekend over Eddie McDonald. That's right around the same, maybe a little bit less. So it's going to be uh, kind of nip and toe here as we get to the toward the end of the past late model uh, series season uh, coming up here in a few weeks. But Johnny Clark is going to be my number three winner. All right, number four, Kyle. I got two, so this is going to be a double for me. Uh, Brendan Queen, Brendan Queen and Greg Edwards, they split the twin late model features at Langley Speedway uh, this past Saturday night. Queen remains the championship point leader with seven wins this season. They have two races to go at Langley. So another competitive season there. Great field of cars. I think there were over 20 that took the green flag and uh, two full uh, full on races. Brendan Queen and Greg Edwards splitting those wins. All right, for Coast Coast Top 7, number 5, I'm also going to double dip. We're going to keep with the Cars Tour, starting with the Late Model Stock Series. How about Connor Jones? First career win, and he does it against some of the stiffest competition in America at Tri-County Speedway. Two years of what he called adversity finally paid off for Connor Jones getting a win. Eight different driver, though, to win in the Late Model Stock Series. So tells you there's some parity there, but still points leader Carson Quapple running up front is the one to beat. He uh, had a little post-race Action with um, Zach Miracle taking him out in the cool-down lap after those two got together. So that was certainly interesting to see. And then on the pro late model side, Jake Garcia winning another one. But this time, he ends the streak from William Sawalich by actually taking him out a little bit there. Uh, again, I heard replay about showed. Huh? I heard about that. Yeah, it, it was it was talked about very frequently on the social media channels. And Jake was certainly one to own up to it. He'd said he felt sick in victory lane, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get a win. So Swalich was uh, a little bit not as nice a post-race, saying he's going to remember that for next week when they go tackle uh, another race. So we'll see what happens. So Connor Jones, Jake Garcia winning Cars Tour races this weekend, my number five. All right, number six on our Coast to Coast Top 7. I have a couple to choose from. I'm going to throw you a curveball because I can, and you weren't here last week. Fair. Okay. Mother Nature. You actually had a couple rain outs. Yeah, but but that's a bad thing. We don't want to it celebrate is. Mother Nature. She, I'm not celebrating her. She was a winner, though, at several short tracks across the country, though, including the Clyde Hart Memorial Race at the New Smyrna Speedway. Also, uh, Colorado National got rained out. Uh, they approached the end of their championship season. You mentioned the ARCA race getting moved from Saturday to Sunday, uh, giving RMRN crew fits at the Kansas Speedway. 
So um, Mother Nature, um, unfortunately, uh, her presence was shown throughout the country this weekend. And uh, the Clyde Hart Memorial event will be made up at a, at a upcoming time. Speedway is trying to figure that out because down in there in Florida, they've had a lot of rainouts this year, as uh, is custom every season down there at New Smyrna. I was about to say, so first, uh, first here on Coast to Coast, Mother Nature getting a Coast to Coast Top 7 winner of the week interesting but we'll we'll take it so that means we'll wrap up number seven i'm going to stick with uh, carson hosevar who basically went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs going back home to michigan at birch run picking up his second win with the jegs and cra triple crown series uh again coming what 24 hours after missing out on the next round of the camping world truck series playoffs after yep running out of fuel on the last lap, getting passed by John Hunter. So certainly uh, was able to put that behind him, get a big win. And and certainly, although it's not in the Camping World Truck Series uh, where he's been the bridesmaid, what, four times now this year, mm-hmm. uh, seeing uh, the win at Bertrand certainly picked up his spirits and uh, gave it or dedicated it to his girlfriend, Peyton, as well. So really cool win for Carson to do it back at home. Second series win. By the way, I think he's got six series wins in that division. That ties Bubba Pollard for most all time. So pretty good company for Carson to be in. I was going to say, that's really good company. Yeah, especially when you talk about Bubba Pollard and the legend that Bubba Pollard is. So how about that? Coast to Coast top seven. We even had Mother Nature in there. So I'm going to go say, say it was six and a half, but we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, shout out to the week. College go first. Who uh, deserves an audible mention this week? Yeah, I'm going to stay home up here in Connecticut. Mike Christopher Jr. winning uh, the race that is in honor of his late uncle, Ted Christopher, the TC-13 at Stafford on Friday night. Uh, Was able to qualify into that event through the 40-lap feature. The top 13 finishers of that feature were able to participate. He got out front late. Great duel with uh, David Aru in the closing laps. And it was Mike Christopher Jr. that was able to pick up the win. The fifth different winner in five years of that 13-lap race. $4,000 purse. And he was able to pick up $1,313 as the race winner. You're such a homer, Kyle. I love it. But that's Mike Christopher Jr. Congratulations to him. It's just so funny. I almost literally put, is he going to say something about Stafford? There it is. All right, my shout-out. I didn't want to disappoint you. I know, I know. Thank you, because you know I had a week off, so it's it's good to be back. Uh, Evan Schotko is going to be my shout-out of the week, number one, winning at Berlin to capture the track championship, his seventh feature win of the year. Jeff Striegel's track of Motor Racing Network uh, kind of had probably the biggest season of his career after winning the battle at Berlin uh, back in August. So really cool for Evan, and joins his father as a track champion as well and then five flag speedway had their championship weekend want to congratulate timothy watson logan boyette brandon fowler and robert loper their track champions in their four divisions so championships starting to get celebrated all across the country kyle i'm just glad it didn't rain at five flags i feel like every other track in florida rained out but yeah it's hard to believe i feel like we were just talking about tracks opening up and getting going getting into the summer grind and now suddenly you know, Labor Day is coming gone, and we're already starting to look at crowning champions at tracks across the country. And a lot of, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of the regional series, Arca East will be determined this Thursday night at Bristol. So starting to wind down in a hurry. And already plans for 2023 have already been hearing. So it's can't believe we've already talked yeah. about that. But let's let's keep it in the present. Uh, go or no go segment before we get Caden Honeycutt on the line, our debate topics of the week. I picked two because both of these stood out pretty and are pretty relevant right now, especially this first one, Kyle. I'll be interested to see what you have to say about it. 
Hoosier Tire recently, uh, during the World 100 Week out at, out at Eldora, announced for next year a universal dirt late model series tire. One tire. That's it. That's all you can run throughout the country. And they're trying to say that it's not only going to cut back on costs, but also with the tire shortage, it's going to be easier because now you're not going to have 15 different compounds to choose from to run a dirt late model. You're going to have one. So should we expand this to the pavement side? Go or no go? I don't know. I'd have to do more research on this. I heard about it for the first time late last week. I mean, there's just so many different types of race cars um, on pavement. I guess dirt, too. But, you know, just when you look at, at pavement, you got the late models, the super late models, uh, the the street stocks and modifieds. I mean, there are so many different tire options and and that would be tough. I think it could be done, but I think it, it it's going to be, you know, a little ways down the road. I'm not sure how it's going to work on dirt, um, but if they can make it work, good for them. And if they can save the team's money in the process, even better. So are you go or no go on that? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> right now, right now I'm no go. Okay, so then I'm go because as a former racer, tire bills absolutely ruined our financial you know, outlook for the season because you Thank don't you, realize how much those add up. And now, granted, most of my career was on dirt, so it was a little bit cheaper because we're not buying 16 sets of tires for a race weekend. We're buying one or two. (laughs) But at the same time, I understand where they're coming from, but I think the only way it's going to work is if you, instead of saying, hey, this is going to be the only pavement tire for everyone, you're going to do it by series. So if you're a late model stock driver, this is going to be your compound that you run no matter where you run. But if you're running a late model stock, this is where you're running. If you're running a super modified, here you go. You're running a super late model. Here you go. So there will be more than one tire, right. but keep it to the series. I don't see why this couldn't work. And of course, this really helps those under budgeted teams from saying, well, I got to have this compound for this track, this compound for this track, make it universal. And it may add some challenges to to others as well. So I'm go for it. Way to go. Who's your tire trying to do something because uh, tire shortages we've been talking about now for well over a year. Yep, uh, a year and I don't see it going away anytime soon. So we'll stick it with that. So we finally disagreed on something after a couple yeah. of weeks. Now we'll see what happens with the news that came out last week while I was sun tanning on top of Symphony of the Seas. The NASCAR playoffs next year are going to be, or not playoffs, the All-Star Race is going to be at North Wilkesboro just after the big racetrack revival series. Is it a good idea, Kyle, next year? So pretty quickly. Next summer, All-Star Race, NASCAR Cup Series, North Wilkesboro. Go or no go? No, it's a horrible idea. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, After what I saw at the late model race and the modified race, um, it's a fantastic idea. It's NASCAR's 75th anniversary season next year. What better way to celebrate that than at one of your charter racetracks, North Wilkesboro Speedway, uh, was a part of the very first season and uh, every season up until 1996. Um, so after some time away, uh, about 27 years, it'll, uh, it'll be really cool to see the, the, uh, the cup cars back on North Wilkesboro on the pavement that they last ran on in 1996. I'm all for it. It was an amazing late model event there a couple of weeks ago. The, the stands in turn one were jammed. The front stretch was jammed. I expect much of the same and more, obviously, when we get back there next year with the cup cars. See, I was a go because I love the idea, and I, like you said, 75th anniversary, what better place to do it? But then I read all the uh, 
I guess, publications now coming out on news outlets and things about North Wilkesboro Speedway just cannot get the improvements they want to get done in time. It's it, it, it can't be done. And by that, I mean the egress out of the racetrack and obviously getting into the racetrack. Uh, a lot of those fans that went out there for the Cars Tour race or modified races, uh, there's one way in and one way out, and you're going through residential neighborhood. And I can't imagine having the Cup Series All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro, there's going to be triple the amount of fans trying to get in, trying to get some sort of spot, and it's going to create an absolute nightmare. So, unfortunately, this, the, the state's already said, you know, we don't have the time. They've got to go through so many budget you know, meetings and approvals to get those projects greenlit. And there's just not enough time for a May, June, you know, all-star race. So it's I'm the no same go. egress. It's the same egress that they had in 1996. Right. But and the same amount of seats. True. But I just think okay. nowadays there's maybe a little bit more interest than where it was back when it was on the schedule year in and year out. And it, I mean, you just, I mean, it's, it's the aura about North Wilkesboro now that I think is going to draw more people. So I'm just saying from a logistical standpoint, no go to 2023, but go to 2024, give them time to make those improvements, not necessarily on the racetrack, leave it as is. I love it. But the traffic patterns, the parking, let's, let's make sure those are ready to go for a cup series race. Oh, the spoiled generation of every minute matters. It does. I, you know, for some, they got TikToks they want to read. They got tweets they want to send. They, yeah. they can't be stuck in traffic. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, that was a good, uh, those were good topics. I like those this week. All right. Poor Caden Honeycutt. He's just itching and burning to get on the show. So why don't we get to him coming up after this short break here on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing here on the Motor Racing Network. Joining us now via Zoom from the Sim Rig, which he's already told us he's put a lot of laps already ahead of Bristol. It is Caden Honeycutt getting ready to tackle another truck series event for On Point Motorsports. Of course, he's also a late model series driver for Nelson Motorsports. Caden, how you doing? And uh, it's Bristol week. You getting excited? Oh, absolutely. I'm doing great. Um, like I told you before we started, I did, I've done about 4,000 laps total just around Bristol. Uh, preparing for Coke uh, tonight in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series and also for the truck. So I've done quite a bit. If I if I don't show up and be on par, I'm going to be a little disappointed in myself, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it very much. From your past experiences with running sim before an event, how close is it? I, I From doing Kansas, uh, doing Pocono, and uh, doing Richmond as well, it's relatively I recently did an amazing job with the truck itself and the dynamic racetrack they gave us. Um, I felt like that it's as soon as I got to the racetrack, I, I felt like I knew what I was doing and that gave me a lot of confidence uh, going onto the track and going there itself. Um, so yeah, I, I recently did a great job. It's, it's, it's pretty close on par, probably a different a little bit on lap time, but that's still okay. It still gives you the concept of how stuff works and how the racetrack is uh, characteristics. Um, so it's very close. I think I've shown up to every place and been somewhat uh, competitive. We've had some drivers on here that use iRacing or, you know, whether they're simulators for like Chevrolet or Toyota. And 
what are some of the things you work on? I mean, obviously, somebody who's a recreational sim racer, I just go on and have fun and kind of mess around, and I'm not really paying a whole lot of attention to what, you know, specifics on a lap I'm doing or shifting or things like that. So what do you work on when you're actually using it as a preparation tool uh, for the real life? Well, I pretty much use it just to get the idea of the racetrack and really know what's hard to push and what not hard to push on. Uh, what line's probably going to be the preference to be. Obviously, you know, when you show up, it can be a totally different line. But if you practice that line beforehand, you should understand how it works. Um, so that's what I really use it for is to retract time and to understand what the truck needs and possibly what it can be better at. And uh, iRacing has really helped me with that, just logging laps and just memorizing the racetrack. It's a huge part of why I use it, is memorization before I show up. And that tool has carried me from probably starting at practice of 35th to 30th to being 20, 20th to 15th where, you know, where we should be running at when we show up. So um, I feel like for Bristol, I've really I've put a lot of laps on the years in the sim. So um, I think I'll have a good idea whenever we show up and I think it will be uh, just fine. And this is in preparation of this Thursday night's NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at the track, which can be heard here on the Motor Racing Network. You're currently 19 years old. I want to go back a few years to when I first heard your name at the Summer Shootout Series, Charlotte Motor Speedway, the, the Tuesday night program that runs at Charlotte on the, uh, the mini oval during the Tuesday nights throughout the summer months. They say uh, if you can find success in a legend car growing up, I've heard this up here in the Northeast. Uh, if you can find success in a legend car, you can do just about anything in any other type of vehicle. Do you find that to be the case now, a couple of years removed from Legends Racing? I think so. You know, I've raced legends when I was 12 years old. Um, I've raced out in Vegas. Vegas was my home racetrack. It sounds weird living in Texas at the time, but I learned all my racecraft running at the Las Vegas boring, uh, growing up. And then I moved, uh, to, to Charlotte and raced for Mr. Lambert, Dennis Lambert. I'm sure many people know his name from the legends car series. Um, we should have had two wins. One got taken away from us and the other, we got moved right at the last lap. But, my point to that is like what you're saying is true. Legends car racing really provides the great racing and great and the, and the race craft to move on to the next level. So I feel like, uh, I learned a lot in the legends and I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today without that series. So, um, and also when I raced with Jordan black and those type of people that it was, that's definitely a, a, uh, a booster in my, uh, confidence and grace craft to be able to move on to the next level, knowing that I can do it. Well, you just talked about a little bit going from Texas to Charlotte. I mean, how the heck did you even get involved in racing uh, to begin with? Because it feels like in such a short amount of time, you know, you've kind of gone from point A to point B pretty quickly. So kind of walk us through uh, how the heck you got involved in this thing. Well, I, my dad did race. Of course, he he uh, raced when I was five years old. He was he did the same thing when I was 16. He, he raced. I was in legacy cars and things like that. And I actually grew up around the five flex speedway at Pensacola, Florida. And, uh, that's where he raced all the pro late model races he ran. And then when eventually when I was old enough to, to get in a race car in a bandolero, uh, I raced at Houston Motorsports park in Texas. And I, I stayed all in the Texas region when I did bandoleros. And then when I moved on with my legends car team, I was with, when I was uh, with Chris Busher at the time, uh, we, he decided that we needed to go and travel to these races, just like he did when he was younger. Uh, go all the way to Las Vegas, come back to North Carolina, go race Anderson, South Carolina, you know, other racetracks that are on the West and East coast that have like un unbelievable competition and you only get better at, uh, 
if you race good competition. So I couldn't have raced in Texas and, and been built the way I was now, uh, racing where I was at. So, um, that's where I grew up at. It was Texas. I stayed there for a long time. I just now moved to North Carolina two months ago. That tells a lot. So, um, yeah, it's, I just grew up racing around all the way around the world. Cause I felt like that was the right thing to do and, 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 uh, perform where I'm at to where I'm at today. So what's that transition like from the legend car to a full size, full body stock car? It was definitely different, uh, feeling definitely the weight transfer and how much the car weighs and, and the horsepower that it has, um, going into the, what I did was a pro late model. I went from a legend to pro car for a couple of races, and then I actually raced an ARCA car right, right, right after that. So, um, that was definitely different. I felt like I kind of understood the ARCA car better if I raced a late model stock before that, like I have now. Um, but yeah, that the ARCA car was definitely a, something I probably won't ever probably feel again. And, um, it's just like the truck, if not a little bit, uh, harder than the truck. So, um, yeah, just like I said, stuff's different. And, and I think I've learned a lot over the past couple of years. So, uh, without the late mile stock series, to be honest, I probably wouldn't even in, be in the truck series. Yeah, so walk us through how that all developed because it seems like, you know, anytime I look on your social media, you're racing some sort of late model somewhere, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this on-point motorsports deal comes together. You're running a couple truck races this year. How did that all transpire in such a quick amount of time? So it was actually my connections with Marcus Richmond that really have made this possible for me. Without that man, I probably wouldn't have had the chances and opportunities I've had. Uh, over the past couple months, uh, racing out of his stable last year and also this year and the car store. Um, I've made so many relationships and connections to be able to make this happen. And it was thanks to him for being able to do that for what we did at Nashville with G2G finishing almost in the top 20, finishing 21st. I got literally a text the next week and say, do you want to run the 30 number 30 truck for Ample? excuse me, on point motorsports. And I'm like, heck yeah. Well, what, what other races can we do? So that's what, that's how that came about. And, uh, you know, this, this sport is all about who you meet and who you talk to and, and, uh, and how the relationship grows just from that one day period. And that's, that's why I have this opportunity now It's because of that. You mentioned the cars tour series. You got to run North Wilkesboro speedway just a couple of weeks ago, finished in the sixth spot. What was that experience like? Well, the atmosphere and everything that was made was absolutely perfect. I don't think anybody could have done a better job than what they did. Um, so just looking out in the stands, you know, a late mile race, you don't have that type of that type of fan base. It's probably maybe half the crowd that was there on a good night. And then just be able to look out and be like, wow, this was this was very well put together and well done. Um so yeah, hopefully they be able to do that stuff again. Like obviously going the all star race next year. So um, for late models itself, they need to they, keep, they need to keep racing there and keep that place alive. They did a fantastic job, and I'm yeah. glad they listened to us about not repaving it. <laughs> I think a lot of people agree with you as well, and I think you know you echo the sentiments of so many race fans about being like, okay, now that we've seen it and we've got our appetites full of late models back in North Wilkesboro, we need to keep it permanently on the schedule, and I think that'll be the case, but. Certainly, we will see. Uh, you mentioned the Cars Tour is well running this year. This year, I don't know, for some reason, seems it's been the competition level has just been tenfold 
just increased so much. What have you learned this year in the Cars Tour, running against the likes of you know the Quapples and McCumbies and, and some of the top talents of the sport? Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's made it a little bit harder this year. Uh, mostly, we just haven't we just haven't been you know on par the entire year. We've just been so consistent to be able to be second in points at this moment. Um, yeah, we just we we always find a way to be be able to race for the win, but we're never the ones. We haven't been the one this year. Been like out front, being in in the catbird seat. Um, but I will say, racing against Quapple mccumby and connor hall this year have definitely made that 10 times harder and it's not that you can't beat them it's it's how how you're able to to perform on that weekend to to beat them so um they've made it a lot more difficult things have been uh, a little bit tough for us at nelson even for my teammate bobby he's had a rough year um so it's just been a little bit more difficult but at the same time i think i've learned a lot more than what i did last year and uh i think that I can probably never uh, not know what to do in those moments now, what have, what we've gone through this year and how races I've played out. And, uh, you know, like I said, late mile stock racing has changed my mind that it is possibly the best race car to step into before moving on into the ARCA and truck series. Uh, just mostly the characteristics and the racing that you're going to have to deal with uh, moving on to that point. So, um yeah, it's it's been a tough road this year, but at the same time, you know, my goal hasn't changed for the next three races, last three races we got. So hopefully we can, you know, make that happen. And my final question for you revolves around Thursday night's truck race, uh, your sixth truck series event of the season. You've had a mixture of short tracks and speedways this season. What have you learned about the truck? And and do you have a preference right now, still young in your career? Do you do you like the the high speeds or do you like you know, what you're used to being on the short tracks. Well, I think, you know, I, I think uh, the high speed stuff is definitely different for me because I never felt that type of grip level level and what it can actually handle. I know I haven't been able to feel the truck being, you know, when I went full throttle at Kansas, I was like, holy crap, I don't even know if it's going to take it. And everybody else is just holding it full throttle because they've felt it and experienced it and know what the limits are. So that's uh, that was a little bit tough uh tough road for me to get through but um i felt like kansas we did i was able to adapt to it um rather quickly which was what i really have to do now and um you know for bristol standpoint i think we'll be just fine you know for me going to the short track it's not really a short track you're going 140 miles an hour at the at the max and then the minimal you're going about 100 so i mean there you're still going quick um so We'll see. I think we'll be just fine. Like I said, we're just, I'm just trying to learn what the truck can handle, what the tire can handle and, uh, what the field that I'm looking for. And, uh, I think if all that comes together, we should have some really solid finishes, uh, to finish out the season. Caden, you're one of a handful from the late model ranks. that has been given opportunities now as this next generation kind of comes up in the NASCAR national series. You know, I can think of like Lane Riggs is making opportunities. Jake RC is going to be in the truck race this weekend at Bristol. How cool is it to kind of be a part of that next class that's starting to get those opportunities and, and making the most of them, you know, it seems like every time we get a new press release, it's somebody else is getting a shot, you know, in a truck or in an ARCA car. So how cool has that been? 
Well, it, it honestly makes it a lot more fun, you know, racing the same people uh, as you move up. You know, you know how they race, you know how we race together. So um, I made connections with like Lane. I, I've been friends with Lane for two years now. Uh, seeing him run run well was was pretty cool. Uh, Jake, I've raced with Jake multiple, multiple times, and he's moving up as well. We I think we've raced door to door at Richmond for probably about 70 laps or something like that. Um, so yeah, just like I said, I think, you know, the next generation is coming up and, and it's time to, uh, step, you know, other, older people are starting to starting to retire and, you know, this next bunch that's coming in is just going to change the face of NASCAR. And, um, I want to be, I want to be a part of that. So whether that's, uh, whether that's truck Xfinity or cup racing. So, um, like I said, it's, yeah, it is cool. And I enjoy it every minute of it. And hopefully we, uh, I'm able to do it for a long time. Well, you're off to a good start. Best of luck this weekend in Bristol. When we're finished with Bristol, what does the rest of 2022 look like for you? Any more truck races? Or are we, you know, focusing on the cars tour? What else you got going on? So I got the rest of the cars tour. We got three races left: Ace, South Boston, and Caraway. And uh, I will try to have the opportunity to race the last year, uh, last race at Phoenix uh, for the Truck Series, and um, possibly Talladega. So. I did ask Brett if I'm approved for Talladega because that's what is on next for, for, for me, that would be the next one. So um, we'll see. We got possibly two more, but probably most likely one more, but uh, we'll, we'll see if we can make it happen. But for me, the focus is trying to uh, maximize this Bristol race and then try to, you know, win a couple last couple races farewell off on the car store. Busy, busy, busy as we wrap up 2022, Caden. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck. We'll see you down there in Bristol and uh, maybe hopefully catch up with you at some point down there on pit road. Absolutely. Hopefully it's a good thing. Caden Honeycutt joining us here on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing, getting ready to tackle the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series here on Thursday night on the Motor Racing Network. We're back after this with our calendar as we take a look at the races coming up this weekend, coming up next after the break. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's up here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing. Always a pleasure to catch up with Caden Honeycutt, wishing him the best of luck. Kyle out there at Bristol. Uh, again, he kind of talked about it. This new generation starting to step in. Caden, uh, one of those drivers. We mentioned Lane Riggs, who got that top 10 at, at IRP in his first debut. Caden, a little bit slower progression, but uh, I think it's going to be a matter of time that we're going to start talking about these guys regularly in the Camping World Truck Series or beyond. 
Yeah, and like he said, there's a lot of drivers either retiring or looking at retirement. So those seats have to be filled by somebody. And no doubt he is in that list that you mentioned to him uh, of drivers that could easily fill those seats. And, you know, the On Point Motorsports team is uh, is a strong team in the Camping World Truck Series. And I expect him to be strong this uh, this Thursday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. And, uh, you know, that team continues to to grow as well. Fairly new, have undergone a lot of changes in recent years, including a driver. Um, so, so we'll see what that 30 truck can do when it gets on the racetrack. And you could cheer for Caden on the Motor Racing Network right here on your local affiliate or, of course, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 at 8.30. We go live. All right, Kyle, a couple news bulletins that came out this week. How about Timothy Peters getting back in the seat coming up at the Valley Star Credit Union 300 at Martinsville, the big season finale uh, big, big race uh, that you're going to also hear right here on the Motor Racing Network. Uh, teaming up with RNS Race Cars, the 11-time Camping World Truck Series winner. This could be his last race, he said. Uh, trying to go out uh, in a good opportunity on the late model level, uh, short track racing, just as what kind of his in his wheelhouse. What do you think of old Timothy getting back behind the wheel? He's one of my favorite people in the sport. I've known Timothy now for 15 years. I know that Martinsville race means so much to him. He has been so close. I don't, I don't think he's won it. He's been so close to winning it yeah. several times. He was leading coming off of turn four um, six years ago now. I remember I was sitting in the Charlotte Motor Speedway Media Center watching it. Several of us were. And uh, they all tangled off of turn number four. He hit the wall a ton and uh, lost the event. But uh, I love Timothy Peters. It'll be good to see him at the racetrack uh, in just over a week's time. I hope it's not his last one, though. Yeah, I hope so, too. We'll see. I feel like as a race car driver, you never it's never, never say never, right? You may right. say it right now, but I don't think it'll happen. Uh, the other thing that came out, yeah, exactly, that. exactly. Perfect example. Uh, and then the other thing that came out this week, too, pretty cool. The All-Star Showdown at Irwindale is coming back again in January of next year. All four of SRL's four divisions, the Spear Southwest Tour, Spear Modified, Prolate Models, and then the inaugural, we talked about this, the National Series. Uh, the first National Late Model Series is going to kick off at Irwindale uh, in January, January 21st. Uh, pretty cool that that event's going to come back again. Kind of cool that we're bumping up some national events on the Late Model side, especially that early on in the year. All right, go with the flow. Our big calendar for the week as we start to wind down the 2022 season uh, finally, the Modifieds back in action. The Eddie Partridge 250 at Riverhead. The third time, Kyle, we're going to Riverhead. What do you think? Saturday, 8 o'clock on Flow. Yeah, I like uh, I like Justin Bonsignor. We had him on the show last week, and he's excited to get back to Riverhead as well as he climbs back into this championship battle that he has been, for the most part, this season out of. Uh, Kyle Soper has done well there this year. Um, Doug Kobe obviously, will be a factor, so... Down to it, three events to go this season. Um, they'll run at Thompson in a couple weeks' time and then wrap up their season, which is a kind of thing kind of new for them at Martinsville Speedway. Usually yeah. Thompson's the season closer, but uh, Martinsville Speedway going to get a, the championship event. I like Justin Bonsignor. He has momentum on his side right now, and he's going to a racetrack that he has known for years and knows very well. Remember, after the first race of the season, he was 32nd in points. He was. And now he's 17 points behind your points leader, Ron Silk, or excuse me, John McKennedy. Ron Silk, though, only 10 points behind. So they're all right there. Be interesting to see what happens, how that point battle gets closer Saturday night. Again, 8 o'clock 
on Flow Racing. Arc Menard Series, we just talked about them a little bit. Uh, double header with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series coming up tonight on Thursday when the show airs 6.30 p.m. on the Motor Racing Network. Kyle, it, it, we kind of talked about it too. It's like three races in one. Can you explain that for us? It's, uh, it's not... It's an Arca Menard Series race, the, the, the national series event uh, with Nick Sanchez looking to extend his point lead. He leads by 12 over Daniel Dye, so that's one. The second thing we'll be watching is that it's the East Championship race, and Sammy Smith looking to button up his second consecutive East title. He has a 33-point lead, and I think he is in good position to do it. So we'll be watching Sammy on uh, this evening. And then you have the 10th and final event of the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, that's a special 10 event series where if drivers want to run for a championship and aren't old enough, that's a problem in this sport right now with yes. so many young drivers coming in, a lot of 16 and 17 year olds out there getting behind the wheel of these race cars, but they can't run places like Daytona and Talladega, some of the bigger tracks, uh, because those are uh, 18 plus uh, it allows them to to have a shot at running for a championship at tracks that are one mile or less or some of the road courses that are mixed into these schedules as well. So that'll be the final event. So there's three champion or three championship battles going on. And two of those will be decided on Thursday night in one single race. Yeah. How about that? So a lot to pay attention to. Again, you can catch the coverage 630 p.m. on MRN immediately following is going to be the NASCAR Camping World Truck Race from bristol kyle i also have on my calendar the smart modified tour back in action dominion raceway that's saturday five o'clock on flow and then we mentioned it a couple weeks ago we had landon huffman championship night at hickory on flow racing on saturday night what do you think i think he's got a big enough point lead but of course anything can happen when it's double points on the championship finale yeah, it's over 100 points over Annabeth Barnes Crumb uh, going into double feature double point night rather uh trying to pick up his first track championship be interesting to see how this whole playoff scenario unfolds as well in, in its final event. Um, the final five races, they did a point reset based on drivers that have competed in, in what was it, like 75% of the races yeah. at Hickory. Um, and, and then obviously the points that they earned during the course of the year in bonus points. So We'll see. Uh, but Landon Huffman, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's optimistic. Uh, one of the, the best drivers slash promoters that we have had on the show. He's not yes. a promoter yet, but I think he's going down that path when the driving career is over. And hopefully for him, that's many years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would think that if a track promoter or owner or somebody locally that watched our show saw that interview, definitely gave him a call and said, let's talk because he had some ideas and some points of view that certainly uh, uh, were healthy for the future of short track racing. Uh, the only other thing, Kyle, besides weekly racing I have is the American Canadian Tour Late Model Series is back at the Fall Foliage 200 White Mountain. That's on Sunday, a matinee performance at 1 p.m. You could check that out. And then we've got tons more on flow. A matinee performance. You like that? I do. I do. I like that. Uh, yeah, a lot going on talk this weekend. Uh, late model nationals at, at Knoxville. Saturday, we have Langley, Meridian, Evergreen. Uh, USAC has a bunch of events this weekend. The All-Star Sprint. So there's a lot happening. As usual, on Flow Racing, I feel like the, the, the lineup and the amount of events that one can watch on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and even Thursday with Thunder Road continues to grow week in and week out. Um, 
why do you need cable anymore? You know, a lot of people aren't going to cable anymore, and I'm certainly one of them. So, and I definitely don't miss it. So, it's great. Flow Racing is the place to be. I have it literally start on my Apple TV to where I log in and it pops up and I can see what's going on. And typically, I get nothing done at the house because something's always on and I just start watching and I go down the rabbit hole. And a couple mm-hmm. hours later, Maggie yells at me. So, that's pretty much what happens when I watch Flow, but it's a good thing. So, uh, the trip, the three of us, our producer Alexa, yourself, Kyle, and myself, we will all be headed to Bristol tonight. So be sure to tune in to the double header coming up first at 6.30 with the Arkham Menard Series Bush Beans 200 and then the Camping World Truck Series playoff opener for the round of eight. Uh, Kyle, do you have any early predictions while we're here? Uh, what do you, you think is going to happen for the trucks? I have no idea. I think it's wide open. Uh, obviously, I think John Hunter Nemechek is the early favorite. He's been through this process before several times at, at different levels. Um, so I guess he'd be my early prediction. Uh, KBM always runs well at the Bristol Motor Speedway. He is in a KBM truck, uh, Chandler Smith being the other, last year's race winner there. So uh, those two kind of stand out right now. But you know, when you look at who the four will be to compete for the championship in just over a month's time, I have no idea. I think that goes across pretty much all three of NASCAR's national series. I have no idea. So stay tuned and pay attention. Uh, Motor Racing Network, again, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time for the Arc Menard Series, 8.30 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. All right, Kyle, safe travels as we record this and looking forward to sharing the airwaves with you. And, of course, we will recap all the action. Hopefully there may be some fireworks, too, uh, out at Bristol Thursday night that we'll have to talk about next week. A little Thursday night thunder on the Motor Racing Network. going to be fun. Can't wait. All right, for Kyle Ricky, our producer, Alexa, I am Chris Wilner. We will see you next time on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Enjoy the weekend chock full of action. Of course, we'll recap it all next week.